people just don't understand the issue that bonds that are bought at a premium will liquidate at par. You, you had a bond pun in there. I did. Yeah, you said they don't understand the issue. You see that? You got the it. Bonds are issued. You see that oh. there? It's, it's, it's an economist joke, and everybody should throw eggs at me at this point. Go ahead. And there's another issue with individual bonds. Oh, there you is, did it again. You did it again. There is another. Yeah, I know yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Once more under the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jeff and Jake McClure. Yeah, and you said my name's first and instead of letting me say my name, which was very confusing. Yes, we, we're, we get confused about names around here yes and yes. we also may be mildly confused about what it means to have an exciting radio talk show this is the personal yes. wealth coach and we're going to talk about the economy and about personal finance about money and stuff uh but before we get started we have to talk about uh, taking our clothes off i mean disclosing well that's the same yeah we're gonna unclose we're gonna open that's what we're going to do. We have some things that we have to say to make the rest of this make sense. The Personal Wealth Coach is not just the name of this radio program. It's also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. That doesn't mean that the SEC likes the firm. That's just who they're registered with, who we're registered with. The, we, as the two principals of the firm, are also the talkers on the air. Uh, and the other part of that is that we're registered with the SEC to give investment advice, which is fiduciary stuff in the best interest of the client, knowing all that should be known and as an expert and keeping private about all that. Yeah, we can't do that on the air. Kind of privacy rules go out the window when we start broadcasting what we're talking about. So what we're doing here is not fiduciary advice, it's education. Uh, hopefully, we're going to educate you all and us too in the process. We talk good American around here. Um, yeah, let's see. I think those were the three wrapped into one. You've got some favorites to say? Uh, I can say that the information we present on this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. And when was the last time you, listener, went around deeming about anything? I deem all the time. I deem what you're saying as appropriate. Right. Uh, so let's see, anything else? Ah, yes, one more thing. We don't get paid to do this program, and we don't pay to do this program. We have been volunteering our Saturday mornings, me since 1998, you since 1996, me being Jake, the other bald guy, Jeff. Uh, so we've been doing this a long time. It's not a paid commercial program. We do as a firm buy advertising on the station, KTEM, but the advertising is all for the radio program. And at the end of the program, we do give our contact information. That's about the extent of this. We've been doing this a long, long time for free. That has to say something about our sanity. It maybe says something about the sanity of the people that are listening too. I don't know. We could be 
strictly a bunch of pro bonos. Yeah, yeah. So uh, those are our disclosures. And now we generally start the program after talking ad nauseum about things that we should disclose by talking about what happened in the market. But you look like you have something you wanted to say before that. You can send us emails at jeff at tpwc.com and jake at tpwc.com. Both of those email addresses would be nice. Again, it's Jake or Jeff, either one, or both, at tpwc, Tango Papa Whiskey Charlie.com. And we will endeavor to address your questions or thoughts on the air. We've got three in already, and uh, we will get to those, Lord willing. So that's how you contact us. Do we take telephone calls? No, because there is a cord missing at the radio station or broken or something. So they can't take. Our call and your call at the same time. We're still remote operators here. We're still calling into work, uh, and that limits everybody else. So we have to use, rather than the early 20th century technology of telephone communication, we're going to use a slower but faster technology of the late 20th century, email. So if you'd like to email us, Jeff and Jake at tpwc.com. That's uh, Tango Papa Whiskey Charlie. Well, the markets this week. Yes, we had uh, we had a stock market this week, and it had an index called the S and P five hundred stock index, which we refer to lovingly and and familiarly, affectionately as S- even as SPX, which is fun um, to say. It sounds like you have a lisp. And there's a reason, by the way, we say SPX because there's different ways of measuring what the market did just like there's different ways of measuring, as we will discuss later on, how long the market week was. Yes. And it sort of gets interesting. Anyway, the the Standard Poor's 500 stock index rose this week 6.58%. Now, that's not this year. That's not this quarter. That's not this month. In one week, it just was up 6.58%, which, by the way, is over half the amount it, on average that it rises in any given year, which For is the long, back. long-term average. Yeah. yeah. And it's really interesting. I've, I've seen charts and read articles. I haven't in some time missing just a few days, particularly during down markets, being out of the market. Let's say you decided to liquidate and go to cash because you were really, really scared and you missed yesterday or you missed this week. You would have lost and, and you were in the S and P 500, which is, you can invest in an index that pretty close to duplicates that. You would have missed out on six, roughly six point six percent gain, just in in one week. So yeah. this is why market timing doesn't work. By the way, yeah, we're not telling you that you should uh, apply to the instincts of FOMO, fear of missing out. But right, you shouldn't. Uh, as, so long as you're extremely well diversified and you've got some time, you shouldn't be bailing out of the market either. Uh, right. So you got to mark your purchases and your sales based on your long-term goals rather than this moment in the market. And if you've been following what the market's been doing last week, it was surging up and down and up and down and up and down. And those are indications that there is a battle going on in the stock market between the bulls and the bears. The bulls are saying the market is underpriced. It is time to buy in. So every time it dips to a certain level and specifically when it got down momentarily uh, Thursday a week ago to just below 20% drop a bunch, which is a technical economics term of money surged into the market, bought stocks and drove it back up again. But then immediately, of course, 
the bears jumped in and said, no, sell, sell, sell. And they started selling. And then, so this battle has been going on between the bulls and the bears for several weeks now. And it is a battle of sentiment. It's like, it's battle of politics. It's a battle of everything. The, um, not only did the bulls win this week and it has nothing to do with a basketball team, but on the 27th yesterday, at the beginning of the day, they came on like gangbusters and the bears were pretty much nowhere to be seen as the stock prices rose suddenly at the beginning of the day and then kept rising all day long. So people are piling on and joining back into the game. So what we've got is the S&P 500 closed at 4158.24 for the three people, or if there's that many who actually track that. Uh, up 6.58% for the week. It is down 12.76% so far this year, so we're still pretty clearly in a correction. It's down 1.09% from a year ago. Um, but, and this is something to keep an eye on, three years is really not truly long-term investing. It's intermediate-term investing. But the average return of the SPX Average annual compound return over the last three years is 14.75% a year. So anybody that's crying in their beer about how much money they've lost, if they've been invested in the broad stock market, most anywhere, diversified, they've seen a really good three years. And that's interesting of itself. By the way, uh, let's see what else. The other index we follow, the CRSP mid-cap value index. Oh, yeah, it's down 1.9. Okay, I said that. CRSP mid-cap value index rose 6.54% for the week to 2528.82. It is down only 2.64% this year and up 1.87 from a year ago. So different parts of the market behave differently. That's one of the reasons we brought in the mid-cap value index is so that you could see that different parts of the stock market behave differently. The, the NASDAQ, the S&P 500, and the Dow, generally, if one of them goes up on a day significantly, the rest of them will too. And the same thing on the way down. The NASDAQ generally is more volatile, rises higher, falls further. The S&P 500, generally speaking, is in between the two. And the Dow is the less volatile, least volatile of the bunch normally. But within those, within particularly the S&P 500, and certain, and also within the NASDAQ, there are sectors or groups or asset classes of stocks that behave very differently from the rest of the market. So anyway, the 10-year U.S. Treasury note we follow. And if you recall, it climbed up very near 3% recently. It's at 2.745%. Well, why is that important? Well, that's the benchmark for virtually all the treasury, all the bond yields across the country. The two-year note, and it's impossible. It's also important because it's in the middle of what we call the yield curve. Uh, at one end of the yield curve is the 90-day T-bill, but we'll, skip, we'll step aside for that for a moment. We'll go to two years. The two-year yield on treasuries is 2.468. The 30-year bond is yielding 2.970. Now, why is that important? Well, one is roughly 2.5. That's the two-year. At 10-year, we're roughly 2.75. And the 30-year bond is 2.97. What does that mean? That means we have a positive yield curve. What's a positive yield curve mean? Historically, and there's lots of argument as to why this is true, and, and some of it makes sense, but we won't go into that. Historically, a yield curve where longer-term interest rates, like 30 years, are higher than the 10-year rates and higher, and the 10-year rates are higher than the two-year rates, is called a positive yield curve. 
positive yield curves tend to be followed by positive activity in the economy. Negative yield curves or inverted yield curves, where the long-term rates are lower than the short-term rates, tend to be followed by recessions and bear markets. So we have a positive yield curve, which is really kind of important to keep an eye on. Um, the other thing we follow is the price of a barrel of West Texas intermediate crude oil on the futures market, which is not very far in the future. It's the current month futures market. And that's at $115.12. Now, that's not real pleasant because it's up another 2%. What does that indicate? That indicates that when under the laws of supply and demand, there is more demand than there is supply compared with uh, earlier in the year when it was lower and last year when it was a lot lower. Um, why is that going on? Well, it's pretty simple. We have come out of COVID in the United States and we're the biggest consumer of petroleum in the world. And if you get onto an interstate highway yesterday or today, you will see we are burning a lot of petroleum. Uh, the highways are packed with people going somewhere. I'm not sure where they're all going. Some of them don't know where they're going, but there's a lot of going goes on over the Memorial Day weekend. Um, and so the demand is up. Well, guess what? The supply is down. Why is the supply down? Well, because there's this country on the other side of the planet called Russia that invaded another country called Ukraine. And as a result, uh, there is a concerted effort by much of the rest of the world to stop buying oil or petroleum from Russia because it is that's where they get the money to invade other countries. And so we, Russia, there's varying numbers that I read, and it's kind of funny. I've heard that Russia, I've read that Russia provides 7 to 10% of the oil in the world. But when it comes to petroleum in general, including natural gas, which figures into this, it's up around 12%. So if you cut somewhere between 7 and 12% of the petroleum out of the supply side of an equation of supply and demand, and you raise demand on the demand side, the price goes up, and that is what we call inflation. That also is important because it filters into everything we do. Just about everything that you want to do involves petroleum in some form or fashion. Um, you can say, well, goodness gracious, if I have a plumber come to my house and fix things, um, that doesn't involve petroleum. Oh, yes, it does, because a plumber has to drive his or her truck to your house, and when they fix things, they're generally replacing things that were transported by trains and trucks around the country. All of those burn petroleum, which means the price goes up, which means the price goes up. So you want to know what's driving inflation? There is one of the big things that's driving inflation. It's not the biggest driver, I don't think, but it is a big one. Um, and that's the market. All right. What's your next subject? Well, the issue of a recession, I suppose, is next. I think the, the consensus that I'm reading from economists that make a lot of sense and from people like Jamie Dimon is that if we have a recession, it would probably be in 2023 and it will be very mild. No, we both agree about uh, that. And by the way, the the Fed used the term, the, the chairman of the Fed uh, actually used the term softish landing uh, as opposed to a soft land. Softish landing uh, in their... That means you didn't bounce more than four or five times? Right. Ooh. A softish landing means a mild, a very mild recession. And we may get a mild recession next year. 
because they happen. Um, no indication out there right now and, and, and indicates that we're headed for a recession, but no indication out there indicated that we were going to have a pandemic either. So there's lots of things that can happen to upset the apple cart on this, but we remain comfortably optimistic at this point. We're headed in the right direction. The country is headed pretty much in the right direction. Admittedly, we've got our warts and pimples and lots of things that we need to uh, be aware of and consider. Um, we got another question, by the way, from Alan. Uh, thinking of installing a solar system on my home here in Central Texas, can you comment on these systems? Sure. I, let me make a comment first. Uh, a couple of things about solar systems, you put them in. Yeah, they they have tremendous advantages. However, people, this is an important piece of the solar system. If you think I'm in the solar system, I guess we're all in the solar system, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. um, the sun is part I, of the yes, if you, photovoltaic system. How's that? Here's TV. the issue. A lot of those go in and say, we'll put solar cells on your on your roof, and that way you you've got this all this power coming in. You really need to look at the cost of power and the length of time you're going to have those up there and, and do your own calculations where you are, the way you're buying power and say, is this cost effective? Because these things wear out after a while. They are very sensitive to hailstorms. Admittedly, insurance companies will, will cover them if they're destroyed in hailstorms, but you have to pay a premium to get that. So that's another cost factor. Here's the big one. When the power grid went out in January of 2021, the people that were using the power grid as backup and as where they were effectively were effectively storing their electricity were just as out of power as anybody else was because their solar panels were covered with snow and they didn't have any power. So if you really want the security that is offered by the solar panels, you have to buy the big batteries and then the expense gets pretty astronomical. Yeah. So what you do to figure this out as a, as a calculation is you say, what am I, what am I spending now? How many kilowatt hours on average should I be saving and calculate how much a monthly cost saving you'll have. Then you look over at insurance and the cost of probably a loan payment on that with interest rates up, this may be reversed, but as, as little as six months ago, a lot of times the loan payment was less than the extra insurance and the amount of money that you saved on, on electricity. So it was actually cheaper than not getting it. You're going to have to look at what loans available at what interest rate over what period of time uh, and look at the extra expense of having the panels in insurance as well as the initial pay purchase and also if you're doing it to truly be off the grid then you need a big battery too and those are expensive so just calculate that all together i saw an article that did a pretty good job of analyzing this and it said a generator plus solar panels plus batteries right. now you're talking expensive but that's reality yeah and we're about out of time I, it's interesting because photovoltaics is right on the cusp depending on interest rates of being more profitable than not but you're going to have to do your, your research. And we're about out of time. This is the Personal Wealth Coach with Jeff and Jake McClure. Uh, if you would like to talk to us off the air, we actually give individually, uh, individually crafted and customized advice based on what people are trying to achieve. That's generally, and portfolio management. And portfolio management. And that's generally for people with higher net worths, but we make exceptions occasionally. 
Um, and so you can contact us locally, voicemail available during the weekend, but actual real live people, no phone tree during the week at 254-947-1111. You can reach that line tool free at 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. And I think it's important to note that we're an independent fiduciary firm. We don't work for a corporation. We only work for our clients. Right. Exactly. Uh, you can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. There's a contact form. You can use emails, Jeff or Jake at tpwc.com. There are uh, recordings of the radio program going back years, newsletters going back decades, uh, and you can find us wherever podcasts are given. Um, thank you very much for listening on a nice Saturday morning. And until next week, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.